1: 1 Timothy chapter 4 uh, beginning in verse number 7 it says but refuse profane and old wives fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness for bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come this is a faithful saying and worthy of all accept, uh, acceptation For therefore, we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands uh, of the presbytery. Verse 15, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. The, uh, The theme of those lessons uh, that, that we spoke to with the men and with the, and with the women um, was disciplines of a godly man. A disciplined lifestyle. Being disciplined. Now look in verse number 7. at the, uh, the second half of the verse says, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And some of this, some of this stuff here comes from uh, that book, Disciplines of a Godly Man. Uh, exercise in this verse can be uh, interpreted train. To train, train thyself rather unto godliness. We get the word "train" from the Greek word "gumnos," meaning without clothes. And in the, uh, this word, uh, from which we derive our word uh, out of the English language, "gymnasium." We know that uh, in the in, in traditional Greek contests, they would do these contests without clothing. Uh, as to not be encumbered with uh, the clothes that they were wearing. And so that's what Paul is saying here. He says, exercise or train yourself rather unto godliness without all of the extra stuff. Get rid of all of the wasteful things and just train yourself unto godliness. The word train uh, originally meant uh, to work out without clothing. And Paul is saying to work out for the purpose of godliness. We will never get anywhere spiritually without a conscious divestment of the things that are holding us back. And the question uh, was given to the men, are we man enough to get rid of those things? Are we man enough to get rid of the things that are getting in our way, that that are holding us back, that we are encumbered with? This quote from that book: No manliness, no maturity, no discipline, no discipleship, no sweat, no sainthood. I'll read. Uh, I'll read this little paragraph, a little insert. It says the word discipline may raise the feeling of stultifying constraint in some minds, suggesting a claustrophobic, restricted life. Nothing could be further from the truth. The obsessive, most manic. The discipline of Mike Singletary liberated him to play like a wild man on the football field. Hemingway's angst over the right word freed him to leave a mark on the English language second only to Shakespeare. The billion sketches of the Renaissance greats set Michelangelo free to create the skies of the Sistine Chapel. Churchill's uh, painstaking preparation freed him to give great impromptu speeches. The disciplined drudgery of the musical greats released their genius, and brothers in Christ, spiritual discipline frees us from the gravity of this present age and allows us to soar with the saints and angels. Some would think a disciplined lifestyle is someone who is is trapped, someone who um, is not able to do the things that they want to do, but that's the furthest thing from the truth because the disciplined person, the disciplined Christian now has freedom to do whatever it is God wants them to do. A disciplined lifestyle. Good things left unattended generally get worse or eventually die. Right? Oftentimes, good things in life, when they're left to themselves, they they fall apart, right? We think of marriages, right? If If you just let your marriage go and never work at your marriage, it eventually falls apart. Not so serious things like plants, flowers, right? You plant a flower, you can't just let it go, right? Or it'll die. I was talking with someone the other day about playing basketball and working out. And uh, the same goes with, with your muscles, right? If you just let them sit there, they eventually go away, right? All, all these, these good things. Isn't it interesting that bad things left attended grow? Good things die or fall apart? About, I can't help but to think about weeds, right? Uh, and, and sometimes you drive on this property and you see the weeds, right? If you let them sit for too long, they grow, and you don't want them to grow. And that's the way sin is in our life. This this verse here, this discipline, this disciplined lifestyle, I love Paul's words here: exercise or train thyself rather unto godliness. And this discipline, this discipline requires action. It requires action. Tonight's message could be, uh, could be entitled, Assembly Required. It's going to take a little work. It's going to take some, some time, some energy, some effort that, to, to put into it so that you get the results that you want. Assembly Required. We had a birthday party yesterday. Actually, a double-header birthday party. Two for one. A one-year-old and a three-year-old. And there's a table full of presents there. And Dad, you you know what I'm talking about. You see those presents and you open those presents. They're good things, but a lot of them require some assembly, right? And uh, we even did a little bit of that yesterday. I mean, just taking uh, dolls and horses out of the box, I mean, it can be some work, right? It, It takes some time, some energy, right? And so discipline requires us to take action. I want you to go to the Old Testament, go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. And this has become one of my favorite ver- uh, stories in the Bible. 2 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 10. 2 Samuel chapter 10. And uh, we'll just we'll go ahead and read starting in verse number 1. And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died. And Hanan, uh, his son, Reigned in his stead. Then said David, "I will show kindness unto Hanan the son of Nahash, and his father ki- as his father showed kindness unto me." And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon, and the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanan, "Their lord, thinkest thou that David doth honour thy father? That he hath sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city and to spy it out?" And to overthrow it. Wherefore Hanan took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards, and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. When they told it unto David, he sent to meet them, because the men were greatly ashamed, and the king said, Tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown, and then return. And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David, the children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Bethrahab and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 footmen, and the king of Macha, 1,000 men, and of Ishtab, 12,000 men. They've they've heard about Israel. They've heard about God. So they start hiring all uh, all this help, bringing in all this help to defeat uh, the army of David. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab, and all the host of the mighty men and the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array at the entering in of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and of Rehab and of Ishtab and of Makkah were by themselves in the field. When Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him before and behind, he chose of all the choice men of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai his brother, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon uh, be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Be of good courage, and let us play the in for our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. And Joab drew nigh, and the people that were with him, unto the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, Then fled they also before Abishai and entered into the city. So Joab returned from the children of Ammon and came to Jerusalem. This story is a story of action. Now, before we go any further, um, uh, just by way of context and uh, just to kind of explain myself a little bit, uh, we're going to talk about Joab. Joab did not always do the right thing, okay? Uh, Joab, uh, Joab... Uh, had a different personality okay he uh, Joab Joab served David but Joab was was the type of man where he stabbed first and and talked about it later Um, so so him him and him and David didn't always see eye-to-eye he didn't always do the things the right way he didn't always make the best decisions but in spite of himself God used him and by the way of anyone that we read in Scripture in spite of them God used them and we must be careful as we look at man today and we look at those around us and those that are serving in ministry, um, be careful that we understand that it's not the man, it's the God of the man. And so, yes, we see that Joab, we, we look at other stories, and Joab did some very questionable things. Um, here we see that he did a very valiant thing. And, and we see in verse 12, he says, Be of good courage. This is kind of like a pregame speech. I love a good motivational speech. Uh, someone who, who can get you fired up, get you stirred up, get you ready to play, get you ready to fight. That's what, that's what Joab's doing here with his brother. Be of good courage and let us play the men. Let us play the men. What's he saying? He said, let's act valiantly. Let's act like men. Let's stand up. Let's be strong. Right? So, so as we, we get to this part of the story, we see earlier in this chapter that David has sent a couple men uh, to, to give their condolences to the Ammonites because of the passing of the king. And of course, the king, um, with, with, with servants in his ear, says, You think David, you think he really cares what's going on here, or do you think these men are just spies? And so uh, Hanan, the king, the new king, takes these men and he holds them captive, obviously, and shames them. And because of this, now we see, uh, we see David uh, hears and sends his men to fight to receive, uh, to, to pay back for what they did to his two men. Ammon, out of fear, um, hires men from the Syrians to help them and to fight. David sends Joab uh, to lead the mighty men to, to fight this battle. Joab sees the army in front of him and he sees the army behind him and uh, he, he gets his brother and he says, listen, uh, there, there, they're surrounding us. There's men behind us. There's men in front of us. And what does he say to him? Let's just go home now because it's too hard. No. Let's just, uh, you know what? Uh, you go fight your battle. I'll fight my battles. Good luck to you. No. He says, listen, we're going to fight. I'm going to take my men this way. You're going to take your men that way. And if it's too much for us, then you come help me. But if it's too much for you, then I'll come help you. Right? So what do we see? We see this this taking action. Rather than retreating with enemy in front and behind, he charged his men furiously. And at this point in time, uh, Joab was, was one of David's men, and he could not turn to David and say, David, what do you want me to do? Right? He just had to, he had to take action. He had to do things uh, that, that he thought needed to be done. Right? And at some point in your life, young people, um, your parents are not always going to be there. Right? At some point in your life, you're going to have to step out and make these difficult decisions. Right? At some point in your life, you're going to find yourself with enemy in the front and enemy behind you. And it's just going to be you and the Lord. And you've got to take the things that you learned, that your parents taught you, um, that your teachers and pastors have been teaching you, and you've got to use them in the battle. Action. Taking action. Assembly required. We can't just sit around and expect our Christian life to flourish. We, 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 can't, we can't just watch and hope uh, that our children turn out Okay. We can't just uh, sit back and just think, well, what's going to happen is going to happen. We must take action. Now listen, this does not replace faith, right? We talked about faith last Wednesday night in our youth meeting. The faith life is better than the safe life. But there are some things that we as Christians must be doing. We need action in number one, bonding together. Bonding together. Look at verse number 11. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Bonding together. This was not uh, me against you. This was not let, let's see who uh, wins, uh, kills the most people, uh, though that's probably something Joab would have done. Uh, but this is, uh, this is hey, let's, we're in this thing together. Let's bond together. Let's work together. If you need help, I'm going to help you. If I need help, I'm trusting that you're going to help me. We need more of that in our day today as Christians. Bonding together, mutual helpfulness, is brotherly duty the strong must help the weak and the standing must help the fallen luke tells us when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren strengthen thy brethren why uh, shame on on christians shame on us for not helping each other right shame on me for not helping my brothers and sisters in battle we must bond together. We are often the worst at assisting our own. And it's a shame. It's a shame. I'm convicted, I'm, I'm convicted about it. Why should we bond together because we have a common master and our common master, of course, uh, comes with a common master comes a common enemy. Our battle is not against one another. We're on the same team. We're, we're, we're serving the same master. We have the same Savior. By the way, that doesn't just go for this church, right? That goes for others who are preaching and who are teaching and who are serving the one true and living God. We're on the same side. We're serving the same master. We're on the same team. It must be enough that we have the same master and preach the same message. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I love what Paul said. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I there therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Christ is preached. Right? That, that should be the goal bonding together, bonding together. Joab and Abishai were on the same team and they weren't competing one with another. they were bonded together. They were in this thing together, right uh, They were cornered. They, they were uh, they needed one another. listen we're living in a day we just gave some prayer requests and we give these every service and um, you have conversations with people in this church and you know that people need one another. I can't tell you how many times uh, fellow Christians have, have helped me and my wife and my family. Why? Because we need one another. Oftentimes, as Christians, we may be backed up in a corner. We may be uh, fighting enemies on both sides. And, and, and the, uh, the, the, the person sitting across the aisle may not always know it. They may not understand where you are. But there have been time after time after time where someone has helped me has encouraged me. You be that person. You be, th- you be that person that helps and, encourage, and encourages and is bonded together. David, he needed Jonathan. He needed Jonathan. Moses, he needed Aaron, and then many others. We could, give, we could give many others. Elisha needed Elijah. Uh, we, we come from a, a, a very uh, large military town in Columbus, Georgia. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes in, in military, in the, in the battle, when you're, when you're uh, fighting, when you're at war, sometimes your brother in arms is the only person you have. Some, sometimes the guy next to you, that's all you've got. And in this Christian life, we serve the same master. Yes, we have the same Lord, but sometimes we just need our brothers to help us. Sometimes we just need someone to come alongside and to pick us up and be bonded together. Number two, we need action in behaving like men says in verse 12, let us play the man. In 1 Chronicles chapter 19, it explains what this is. Behave ourselves valiantly. The same story uses the word valiantly. What does that mean? It means to jump out into the fray in the middle of where God has called you. Does the right thing for the right reasons at the right time with courage and compassion. Behave like men. Play the man. Act like a man. And that's what, Joab, that's what Joab and Abishai had to do here. He said, listen, he's giving his pregame speech to his brother, You know, and you can just see them there meeting together right before they go into battle. And he says, listen, we've got to, we've got to step up here. Uh, things aren't looking good for us. We're cornered. We're trapped. There's enemy all around us, but we've got to act like men. We've got to behave ourselves valiantly. We must be courageous and not cowardice. Right? It's a temptation for us as men sometimes to cower. Now, listen, when we talk about being a man, sometimes, you know, with the, the worldly um, definition of that would be, uh, you know, big, strong, burly men, you know, pounding our chest, and you'll do what I say and you'll listen to me. But I think the perfect picture of what a man was like was Jesus Christ, the perfect combination uh, of compassion and love and power at the same time. Man, tonight, just for a moment, if I could just speak to you for just a, just a minute, your, your, your wives, your homes, your family, your children need you to act like a man. My wife, my, my kids, they need me to be a man. Um, I, I'm talking about someone who follows God and is courageous when things are going haywire. I'm talking about when, when the Christian life, when you're in battle... Right, and, then, and the devil is tempting your home and, and he's trying to get into your home, right? And, and, and he, he's coming in in all different avenues and all different ways. You've got to be the man. You've got to act valiantly. You've got to be courageous. There, there are too many times, and we see it so much today, where the dads are not around, where there's no man in the house. We need, we need men, and I'm so thankful for the men in my life, the men in this church who are, who are valiant men, who step up when, when, when the battle is raging and when we are cornered, and when there are enemy are behind and in front and all around. Your wife, your wife needs you to be a godly man, a, a godly man of discipline. Oh so, well, my wife needs this and needs that and whatever, and you know I, I've got to do this and do that. No, the greatest thing that we can do is be close to God. The greatest thing that you can do for your family is get up in the morning and read your Bible. You know, sometimes we'll think of being the best dad and being the best husband and being the best uh, person that we can be is spending time. With whoever that is, and and certainly that's high on the list, but I think higher than that is spending time with God. Right? And and if you spend the time with God that you need to spend, then you'll be the husband, the dad, the uh, whatever, the brother, the sister, the mom that you need to be. Behave like men, behave ourselves valiantly. We need some consistency. We live in a world of emotional ups and downs, and uh, you know, one, one week we we feel like a Christian, and the next week we don't. And and and, and a lot of people get out of church, and uh, you know, they're they're unfaithful, and they're in, and they're out. We need some men who are consistent, right? I'm so thankful that my dad he never uh, was never a question if we were going to church; it just it wasn't a question. And I'm so thankful for that, and that's what we need. That's what we need and men that are going to say, we're, we're going to do this, right? We're just going to, we're going to serve God together, not just attending church, but whatever. We're going to work. We're going to serve. We're going to love people. That's just who we are and that's what we're going to do. Behaving, behaving like a man, battling for our people. We need action in battling for our people. Look at verse number 12. Be of good courage. Let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. Our decisions, the decisions that you make always affect someone else. You, you, you've got to have a why, right? You've got, to have a, you've got to have that motivation to go out and to fight. And he's saying, Abishai, we've got to go out and we've got to act like men and we've got to fight and we've got to stand up. Why? For our people and for the cities of our God. Now remember, Joab did a lot of dumb stuff. He was not the greatest, one of the greatest men in the Bible. But he's got the right answer right here, right? He says the right thing right here. We've got to fight for our people and for the cities of our God. What is your why? Who is your why? I think in my own life, if I fall, if I fail the people that I would be affecting, the decisions that you make today, it affects others. It doesn't just affect you. That's something that we we talk about in youth all the time. The good, the bad, the ugly, whatever decisions you make, it's not just about you. It's about someone else. It's going to affect someone else. And Joab understood. He understood that we've got to go out and we've got to fight because our families are back home. You think about David when he stepped out on the battlefield and he said, is there not a cause? Right? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason we should be fighting? Do you know what the Philistines are going to do to our families? Do you understand what they're going to do to our wives and to our children if we don't step out here and fight the slavery Right, the, uh, the gross sin, the, the things that would take place if, we don't, if somebody doesn't step out and fight this Goliath, is there not a cause? Dads, is there not a cause to fight? Is there not a cause to stay in the fight tonight? What is your cause? What is that reason? What is that motivation? Is there not a cause? We must have a cause. We must have compassion for the people. And then lastly, we need action. We need to take action in believing in our God. I love, I love what he says here, at the end of verse 12. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. He, what's he saying? He said, We're going to fight. We're going to give it all we've got. And then God's going to do what, what is right. And that's, that's the way we are to live our Christian life. Give it all you've got. Fight. Fight for your homes, Dad. Fight for your children fight for your family keep the devil out and then just trust god trust god complete obedience have confidence in god when we do uh, when we have done our part according to the duty of our place let the lord do that which seemeth to him good the pressure is off of us because we are resting in him i love i love the verses in daniel chapter 3 Verse 17 and 18, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And He will deliver us out of Thine hand, O King. But if not, be it known unto Thee, O King, that we will not serve Thy gods, nor worship the golden image which Thou hast set up. The the three Hebrew boys were there getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And they said, "We're gonna. uh, We believe that God's gonna deliver us. We have stood up, and we're supposed to stand up. We did not bow down. We, we were, you know, in the day of battle, we stood up for what was right." And and Nebuchadnezzar said, "We're gonna throw you in the fiery furnace." He says, "God's gonna deliver us. God's gonna deliver us out of the fiery furnace. But if He doesn't, then He's still God. If He doesn't, then we're still gonna serve Him." Because God is gonna do that which seemeth good. Right? As a father or a leader, we should rest easy when God is in control of your home, but make sure God's in control. Make sure God's in control, and then rest easy that He's in control. The pressure's off. The pressure's off. How often do we feel the burden, the weight? To do right, to make the right decisions, and, and certainly we we should make the right decisions. But but how often do we feel that pressure, right to 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 lead and to guide? Listen, we are to lead and to guide, but the pressure is off when we know that God is in control. You need direction. You need uh, you, you need a, to make a big decision. Get in God's word. Know that He's in control, and just leave it up to it. Listen, that's easy preaching. That's tough living. And I've been there. It's tough. It's not easy to just say, God, we're trusting in you. Whatever you want to do, we're going to let you make the decisions. We're going to let you show us and guide us and lead us. But that's what it means to play the man, to act valiantly, complete obedience. This kind of leadership gets out of God's way. It's One of the, one of the greatest things I think about our pastor is, is how much he just gets out of God's way. And that's what great leaders do is is they lead, but at the end of the day, God's in control. Complete, complete obedience. I think of Joshua and his men in Joshua chapter 7. Uh, they, they, they were defeated by Ai. And of course, we know the Bible tells us that they were defeated because the sin that was in the camp because of Achan's sin. But if you go back and you read Joshua chapter 7, nowhere early in the chapter do you see Joshua... Get, getting any kind of, receiving any kind of instruction from God. It's not there. Every other battle, God gives what to do, how to do it, Joshua does it. But this battle, no instruction. Nothing. Josh, Joshua, they, you know, his men come back and say, oh, we've got this. Don't even send all the army. Don't, don't send everybody. We, it's a piece of cake. Too easy. Blow out. They, they get beat. They get defeated. Right? No instruction from God. Very next chapter, beginning of the chapter, God says, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to do it. Joshua says, okay, what does he do? He just obeys. What happens? They win the battle. Man, that sounds easy. That's simple. You disobey, you don't get instruction from God, you fall, right? You fail, you lose. God gives you instruction, you obey, you win. That's the Christian life. Complete obedience, right? Just simply obedience. That's what we are to do, complete, complete obedience. The only sure thing in faith is the object of it. Scott Polly said if God doesn't do it in my way, he'll do it right. If he doesn't do it how you think it should be done, just know that it'll be done right. And that that's what that's what allows us to rest at the end of the day. That's, that's what allows us to, to, to lay our heads on our pillows and go to sleep each night, is knowing that God's going to do it and He's going to do it right. Right? And so that's where we are. Assembly required. Listen, we've already won the battle. I, I love the stories in Joshua, how, uh, how God tells Joshua, I've already given you this land. I've already, uh, I've already given you victory. Just go and take it. We've already won the battle. If we're Christians here tonight, then we're on the winning side, right? We've already won. We know the end of the story. We've read the book of Revelation. We know what's happening, and we know what's going to happen. The victory has been won. My question for you tonight is what are we doing with our Christian life? What are we doing with, uh, with our spirituality? Are we just letting it sit? Are we just letting weeds grow up? Or are, we just, uh, are we just letting uh, things fall apart? Are we just allowing things to die? Are we taking action? Are we working at it? Are we working on it? Action is required. What are you going to do about the spiritual temperature in your home? Oftentimes, we need to evaluate what we're doing, why we're doing it, and who we're trusting. There have been a time in your life Maybe in your home, maybe with your kids, uh, maybe a, a, in a classroom or something. There's just kind of a chaotic situation, and uh, you know, you teachers may can understand this a little better than anyone. And, and things are just kind of out of control. And you say, "Hey, listen, hey, hey, get in your seat, stop talking, we're going back to this." If you were in our sixth grade Bible class any of this year, you heard some of that. You just take a, you, you, you got to take a chaotic situation. You got to kind of bring it back to where it's supposed to be. There have been a time in your home where, uh, or or in your own Christian life, where you think, "Man, I just got to get this thing back on track." Right? Things are kind of out of proportion. You got you got stuff here, you got stuff over there. It's chaotic. Nothing is where it's supposed to be. You can you you can sense that you're not growing. You can sense that you're not close to the Lord. You you can sense that there's some sin there. You get the, the the feeling that something's just not right. Sometimes it takes some, hey, listen, all right, let's just get back on track here. Let's just, let's just get back where we know we're supposed to be. Let's pull these weeds. Right? Let, let, let's clean this up. Let, let's work on this thing. Let's take action. Let's take action. Sometimes it's hard to do things when, when no one is holding your feet to the fire. Right? When no one's making you do something. That's what's dangerous sometimes about summer and kids get out of school and no one's making them do stuff. Right? That, that's, that's the danger of it. Because sometimes when no one's making you do it, then you don't want to do anything. But let's take action. Let's behave like men. Let's be valiant. Let's work. Let's serve together. Maybe some things are off track a little bit. Maybe, maybe things are not the way they should be. Maybe this, things are not where they used to be. Let's get, let's get back on it. We talked this morning in Sunday school. I don't know where y'all are in your classes, but we talked this morning um, about love and God's love for Israel. And I just couldn't help but to think about how loving our God is to give us second and third and fourth and fifth chances. And when we fall, when we fail, He's always there with open arms. We talked about Hosea and Gomer and Gomer left Hosea, and he went back and, and, and bought her back. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that and this happens in my life so often, where I'm just thinking, man, I just need to get, I just need to get back, I need to get back to the, to the center of the road here, I need to get back things back on track, and it just take some action. It takes a little bit of work, it takes a little bit of time, a little bit of energy. But let's let's get things back, Men, Let's let's act like men, dads. Let's be let's be courageous, not cowardice. Let's stand up in the battle and fight for our people and for the cities of our God.
0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.